lots and lots of spoilers. Hello, hello. Mike, I don't know why you say goodbye. I say hello. Welcome to another in our series, ladies and gentlemen, The Beatles. Sorry we're running a bit late, but I was just fixing a hole where the rain gets in. I should patch it with some polythene Pam, but I'm so tired. I don't want to be a mean Mr. Mustard or anything about it. Just I just want to fix up my bungalow, Bill. Uh, 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 uh. All right, all right, I'll stop, I'll stop. Please. It's not like we don't get enough Beatles title and lyric references in this week's movie, Across the Universe. That's right. Uh, this like one isn't you. by or even about our favorite Liverpudlians, but it's very much inspired by their, by their music and contains a boatload of it. This one is a musical romance set against the backdrop of the late 1960s, filled with people bursting into song, doing com- random complex dance numbers in New York City, and a few surprising musical cameos. I'll say. Let's get to it. I'm your host, Sergeant Pepper Levine. <laughs> And now let me introduce to you the act you've known for all these years, Mike Luce. <sighs> that, that's it? I don't even get a, an adjective? Nope, that's it. Wow. Okay. Yes, because I don't <laughs> want everyone to know you died three years ago. Oh! <laughs> Mike's dead. Miss him, miss him. <laughs> You're not getting anything for Sadie Hawkins Day, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Sexy Sadie, Sadie Hawkins, Hawkins Day. <laughs> there, now I made it themic. Are you happy? Okay, yeah. <laughs> Del ecstatic. Sexy Sadie. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm just wondering personally if you would like to go over last week's poll questions. Yes, I would. Poll question. Poll question, poll question. Who's got the poll question? Oh, that's right. <laughs> we do. Okay. Last week we asked if you could strike one movie or franchise from the memories of everyone and be sure it'd never show up ever, which would it be? From Geneva Brunetti of the Geneva Brunetti Show, we have, quote, My gut says Birth of a Nation, also Roman Polanski's Repulsion. I pretty much blocked that movie out when I had to watch it for class, end quote. Wow, that's uh, reaching back really far. Thank you, Geneva. From Dave, quote, The Deer Hunter. I don't know why, but that movie just ticks me off and feels like an insult to anyone who was forced to go and fight in Vietnam. I seem to be the only person who reacted to it that way. I just don't feel that Russian roulette is in any way related to any genuine Vietnam experience, nor did I experience dramatic tension watching actors pretend to be worried about pulling the trigger. Every time a guy put a gun to his head, I was like, and how long do I have to watch before I figure out which one is going to die this round? End quote. Oh, that's certainly an interesting answer. I wouldn't have thought of the deer hunter. Thanks, Dave. I'm sorry, Dave? From Val Coons, who's still totally not and also related to me, Quote, the Jackass series came to mind first. What a waste of time and money. And Temple of Doom, end quote. What an interesting pairing. Uh, <laughs> maybe in a double feature someday. Thanks, Val. From Adam Mark. Quote, the Muppets movies post A Christmas Carol. Name a collection of intellectual property that has been allowed to wither and rot into a shadow of its former self as much as this group. Most children know about the Muppets from Pizza Hut commercials or Muppet Babies, which started the babyization trend of many cartoons, as opposed to their films or shows. Disney really never gave them the space to flourish, and Henson's leaving Sesame Street to the CTW was one of the wisest moves ever. Treasure Island, Muppets in Space, The Muppets and Muppets Most Wanted should be forgotten forever. It's truly a shame, end quote. 
Thank you, Adam. Uh, yeah, the Muppets. We love the Muppets, or at least we used to. From the Wheeze, quote, Everything that Fox did with the X-Men after X2. X2 was perfect and everything follow was utter crap. End quote. Well, uh, that's certainly up for debate, uh, but I don't remember them that well, so I'm not going to be the one to do so. Thank you, Wheeze. From Brian McStravick, Dune. Hmm. I wondered if he meant both. Oh, turns out he did. Thank you, Uncle Brian. From Haley King, quote, I propose we get rid of the Dark Knight so people will shut up about the Joker, end quote. That's a really interesting choice. Um, I'm sure she's talking about the Heath Ledger Joker, uh, as that's the one that's in the Dark Knight. Uh, thank you, Haley. Chiming in as well is Matt Reisman, who said, quote, I've been chewing over this a lot. Here's the problem. It's easy to just not see bad movies. I don't like five out of ten of the Star Wars movies or two out of the four of the Indiana Jones ones. Four? I thought there were three. But I just don't watch those. I'd rather get rid of a movie that created a trend that I dislike, because that propagated more bad movies. So I agree with Haley Paulson, or Haley King. I'd lose The Dark Knight. I don't want joyless, monochrome, realistic comic book movies. I don't want so much cynicism. I don't want Heath Leather's Joker put on a pedestal. So yeah, I'd get rid of a movie that I actually like, end quote. That's a really interesting perspective, Matt. Uh, thank you for the answer, the well-thought-out answer. From Nick Hoffman, quote, Crystal Skull, end quote. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that one. Oh, thanks, Nick. From Brian Mundo, quote, Avatar The Last Airbender. The animated series was phenomenal. The movie made me sad, end quote. Oh, nobody wants a sad bear. Thank you, Brian. From the snowman, Vince, way up north. He said, quote, I had to think about this one a bit. There are plenty of movies and series I don't like and even hate, like Twilight. Yeah, good for you, Vince. But not sure they should never have existed. Then I remembered I Spit on Your Grave, which lowered horror standards and really has no redeeming value at any point in history. Five minutes of retribution does not make up for the 90 minutes of abuse and rape. I would have to say the same for the Faces of Death documentary series. They are not documentaries, and a lot of the clips are from movies or just plain fake. They also made the way for a new low in entertainment, which continues to this day, with people ghoulishly looking for real death videos online. Fun as the Sun Life documentaries were, with their stories about aliens and the secret life of Jesus, shoot lasers from his eyes, they opened up a market for the conspiracy-themed docs today, like the anti-vax and the 9-11 never happened abominations that we see on YouTube, etc. End quote. Wow, again, thank you for the very well thought out and researched answer, Vince. Lastly, from Nick Gasparoni, quote, Jurassic World, not a fan, end quote. Just reaching out to make sure he didn't mean all Jurassic films, it was in fact just that one. So, uh, yeah. Normally, I'd, uh, I'd ask Max here what franchise or film he'd like oft, but, well, he's come over all dead and, well, we haven't got a new one yet. But I'm sure, given the chance, he'd have said all Disney movies ever, because that's the kind of guy he is. <laughs> no, 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 really. Don't, don't, don't listen to word word he says. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he said that. He totally, really, really said that all Disney movies probably never would say that. <clears throat> um, yeah, me, I'm going to go with Freddy Got Fingered. Don't listen to our previous episode on Freddy Got Fingered. Um, or really, if you'll accept this, any movie by Tom Green. That movie left a deep, deep scar. Well, that, that was great. Yes, Thank you again, as always, to all of you. I mean, you guys really get into this stuff, and we love it! Yes, we do. It uh, <laughs> makes it so that we have to do less... I mean that we have a better I, show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, thank you. But, uh, Max, I wonder... 
Do we continue this? Can we hope to continue this this run of excitement by having another poll question? Wonder no more, my good chum. We have we do have another poll question. I think I'm off to feed the fish. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> what does he mean? It's not pretty. I'll tell you later. <laughs> Uh, what is your favorite parody movie? I mean, not just your favorite comedy, but a, a movie that is a parody of a specific movie or a specific type of movie, a specific genre. Wait, do you mean movies what have actual parrots in them? <laughs> no, it's parody with a D, you silly, silly man. Wouldn't that be darity? <laughs> <sighs> and now I'm going to hit you with a fish. What else is new? Remember that? Ch- Ow! Stop calling me chum and hitting me with fish. <laughs> But now, trivia. The show. Budget, $45 million. Yikes. And considering we don't have a whole lot of names in this movie, I think a lot of that money went for the few they had and the song rights. Yeah. Uh, you want to guess how much it made? $46 million. <laughs> right, 29 Oh! Yeah, this was not much of a. This was not a commercial success at all. Despite the fact, now Julie, director Julie Taymor, watched the premiere, sitting right next to Sir Paul McCartney. Gulp. And she she was really nervous. Who wouldn't be? uh, What he would think. And when the movie was over, she asked if there was anything he didn't like about it. And McCartney responded, "What's not to like? Have another toke." No. no, Uh, he also sang along with All My Loving Under His Breath, which was a very moving moment for oh, Tamor. That's nice. Apparently, Ringo Starr, Yoko Ono, and Olivia Harrison all praised the film after seeing it. Nice. Yeah. Uh, the film was released in the U.S. on October 9th, which is John Lennon's birthday. Aw. Yeah. The song Because is sung by exactly nine actors which is a reference to the way the Beatles recorded the song as a three-part harmony vocal performance with Lennon, McCartney, and Harrison, and it's overdubbed three times to make nine voices. Number nine, number nine, number nine. Uh, Dr. Robert wears a hat with the word... Yeah, I know. We'll get to that. Dr. Robert. We'll get to that. With the word yes written across it in reference to John Lennon and Yoko Ono's first meeting in her art studio where Lennon found a ladder propped against a white wall. After climbing the ladder at the top, he found the word yes painted on a wall. When he asked Yoko why, she smiled and said, would you rather it tell you no? I think that sums up Yoko Ono perfectly. It really, <laughs> really does. Well, that and... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Yoko. Because uh, she the- listens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So- sorry, Ms. Odo, I know you're a regular. Um, with, in the, the, with a little help from my friend scene, Jude is handed a joint. Uh, is he? And if you, yeah, if you look closely, in fact, not even that closely, he's not holding anything. Yeah. They're passing around nothing, and yet he coughs out a puff of smoke. Uh, they did this because this was actually filmed on Princeton's campus, and they weren't allowed to actually use real or simulated drugs, so they mimed the joint. Also, this was done to keep the film from getting an R rating, because <sighs> showing drug paraphernalia automatically 
gets you an R rating. But they show a joint later in the movie. There's a close-up. No, it's a hand-rolled cigarette. <laughs> God. It is. It's totally a hand-rolled clove cigarette or something. Shut up. And that was you the first reference anything. to drugs on Princeton's campus ever. Yep. Yep. <laughs> ever. The first time anyone had even thought of them. Oh, God. Uh, the character Jojo is a very clear reference to Jimi Hendrix. Really? Oh. Yeah, hard to know, especially when Sadie dresses him up in the purple shirt and bandana. I totally didn't get that. Yeah, yeah. He also <laughs> plays a Fender guitar, which was one of uh, the signature signatures of Jimi Hendrix. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sadie, with her fiery red hair and temper, is, a, is pretty much based on Janis Joplin. What? Yeah, I know. You didn't get that either from the throaty singing or the chugging Jack Daniels directly from a bottle. Actually, that's when I made the connection. It wasn't the Uh-oh. voice because she doesn't sound like Janis Joplin. But and she see, they, they play her as being a little older, although I, I don't know how old she's supposed to be. But as soon as she reached for the... Oh, it's Janice. Okay, I get yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, the painted bus with the, and Dr. Robert singing I Am the Walrus is, of course, a reference both to the painted bus the Beatles had in the Magical Mystery Tour and... The one that Ken Kesey and the Merry Pranksters who traveled around the U.S. in that bus. Yeah. The punch at the party with Dr. Robert is clearly electric Kool-Aid, just like Kesey used to use. What? Yeah, and finally when Dr. Robert stops at Dr. Geary's place. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Bimothy Geary? Mr. Bimothy Geary. (laughs) It's very clearly supposed to be Timothy Leary. Who also expended, experimented with LSD, but he and Kesey did not get along. Yeah. Uh, studio head Joe Roth really didn't like Julie Taymor's initial cut of the film and had it re-edited to better suit mass audiences. Now, Taymor's contract gave her final cut rights, and Roth hoped he could persuade her that his version should be released instead. Didn't work. Uh-huh. In fact, she threatened a lawsuit if he didn't release her version. And... In exchange for participating in the DVD release and the film's publicity campaign, Taymor forced the studio to sign an agreement that all copies of Roth's edit would be destroyed with ever being released to the general public. Hmm. So no one has ever seen it. Well, you know, in some ways good for her because, yeah. A, let's face it, it's a, she's a woman and I'm betting anything that somebody somewhere said, well, I can make her do what I want because she's a woman and they were treating her like crap because... The few women who are directors in Hollywood, I'm guessing, yeah, don't get they treated well. They do not well. get treated well. So no. on one hand, good for her. On the other hand, yeah. well, we'll see if we actually think that was a good idea yeah. or not. Yep. Uh, during the number Being for the Benefit of Mr. Kite, some of the text that appears in the background is taken directly from the vintage circus poster that inspired John Lennon to write the song. Right. Salma Hayek specifically requested to appear in the film. And when Julie Taymor mentioned the uh, role in Bang Bang Shoot Shoot as the nurse, Hayek replied, just one of the nurses, Julie? <laughs> and as such, she appears as all of them. Sure. And of course, one of the... Now, this was a really subtle reference. I'm sure you probably missed. You have to be really... Uh, apple Records is referenced when Jude is trying to draw a green apple and then slices it in half, producing the two logos of the company. Didn't see that, did you? Uh, no. And no. yeah, and the, the Did you recover after being hit on the head that hard? <laughs> I'm not sure. That fish yeah. is still stinging. <laughs> yeah. Some of the scenes are derived from actual sixties events, like the violent student protest at Columbia. The actual explosion at a New York townhouse 
was the work of the legendary Weather Underground, also called the Weathermen, and took place at 18 West 11th Street in Greenwich Village. Okay. Basically, these, these idiots were trying to bomb, I think it was the draft board, and they set the bomb off in their own apartment. Oops. Yeah. A photograph of the actual house appears in the movie. And just like at, at the rooftop concert at the end, which I'm sure you didn't get was a <laughs> reference to anything. No. But just like the just like the Beatles, it's interrupted by the police. Yeah. Yes, uh, Sting and Andy and Stewart all show up and take over. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. And uh, the rather disturbing Let It Be uh, sequence, which we'll talk about, is probably a reference to the Watts riots of 65. See, I read it as actually the, it was supposed to be referencing some riots in Detroit. I thought Watts oh, when I was... Been. Well, I thought Watts when I was watching the movie, and then I was looking at something quickly online, trying not to take your, your trivia, but I thought mm. they said it was it was re- directly referencing something in Detroit, so I'm not sure about that. Watts it might have been. That might have been where a kid was killed. I'm not sure. Yeah. Also, during the Mr. Kite sequence, Mr. Kite says, just tune in, turn off, drop out, drop in, switch off, switch on, and explode. Which is, of course, um, that famous quote from Timothy Leary again. Uh, Bimothy Geary. Bimothy Geary, <laughs> excuse me. And I just uh, wanted to point out, because I, I thought her name was so odd, I wondered, who, the woman who plays Prudence, <laughs> yeah, played by is TV, TV Carpio. Mm-hmm. She hasn't done a lot in terms of movies, but she is notorious or famous for being part of one of the most infamous Broadway shows in history, Spider-Man, Turn <laughs> Off the Dark. She's in that. She plays Arachne, the spider goddess. Which is interesting, because that means there's another connection to that Spider-Man show yes, in there this is. movie. We'll get to that. <laughs> yes, we will. Surprise the crap out of me, because I looked at that person and was like, well, I can't be who I think it is. And then yes, found out, yes, it is in fact exactly what it is. But do you have any other trivia for us before you give us no, the plot? No, that's pretty much it. Give yep, us the story, the Max. Plot. Sure. Set in the turbulent times of Vietnam War-era America, specifically Greenwich Village, across the universe is a love story between a lad from Liverpool, no, not one of the four, named Jude, Uh, and a fresh-faced preppy girl named Lucy, uh, who has a brother named Maxwell. uh, No no word on whether he's majoring in medicine or a serial killer. (laughs) While Jude and Lucy discover each other in the counterculture of the 60s, Max finds himself drafted and dumped into a number of Vietnam War montages. <laughs> Along the way, they, they meet a number of colorful characters like Sexy Sadie, uh, Prudence, uh, who really is a deer, uh, Jojo, uh, a man who thought he was a loner but knew it couldn't last, Dr. Robert, Mr. Kite, and many, many more. And throughout the movie, the people will just break into interesting interpretations of classic Beatles songs. In the end, of course, we learn that all you need is love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lowdown. Well, so Max, as I usually ask yeah. at the beginning of these shows, where yeah. did you did you didn't see this when it came out, did you? No, but I saw it on video a few years after it came out. What, I mean, this v- came out in two thousand seven. What, like so VHS? <laughs> Uh, no, by that time, I think it was DVD. Okay. Um, and it, I'm guessing that you were drawn to it because it's got Beatles stuff in it and you are just like a moth to flame. Go right yes. to Beatles stuff. That is right. I just thought, oh, wow, this is great. A whole movie where you get to listen to Beatles music. Now, had you missed previews of it in the theater or something? Or, cause it's usually you go yeah, to something. Yeah, because it didn't get terribly, it didn't get a lot of, uh, 
marketing? Uh, a lot about marketing, and it wasn't, and for some odd reason, it wasn't in the theaters for very long. Huh. I think it was one of those that I kept meaning to see, and then by the time I got around to it, it was gone. Oh, I wonder if that had anything to do with that story you were talking about with the director, and she was like, well, I'll participate in the marketing, and then the oh, studios maybe. came back and said, well, yeah, marketing, um, uh, go to Woolworths t- tomorrow, and we'll have a, we'll have a standee. Yeah. <laughs> um, the thing, one of the things, the acting, let's go with the acting. We always okay. talk about actors. Um, we start off with Ju- with Jude. Yeah, let's let's get this out of the way first. All of the characters, all of the major characters and a bunch of the minor characters, they are all named, they're all references to Beatles songs. Yes. And so that, what does that mean? You sit there through the entire movie waiting for their song to show up because you know it's gonna, and Jude's yeah, ex- doesn't show up till the end of the goddamn movie. Yes, and Lucy only gets hers over the end credits, right. and Max does not get the most awesome Beatles song ever, because it's the only one with the name Max in it. <laughs> yeah. Maxville Silverhammer, that doesn't get played at all, but it does get referenced. Yeah. You, you, I'm sure you caught the very subtle reference. Yeah, oh, it was, I, you know, I almost missed it, because it was yeah, very, not, very subtle. Very subtle. Yes, um, when they go to when they meet Sadie, who because who's their landlord, yeah. she looks at Max and says, "Well, you look clean cut, but for all I know, you murdered your granny with a hammer." Get it? Yeah, because that's you know, the, the thing. Yeah, but, um, uh, yeah. Let's talk about the act. So Jim so, Sturgis, he's the first one we see. He plays yeah. Jude. He plays a young Liverpudley, and we actually hear him singing a bit. He's got a really nice voice. He has a very pleasant voice. I looked into him a little bit because I'd never heard of him, and he's been doing things, but it's not, he's never made a big name. No. Apparently, in school, he didn't want to be an actor because he thought that was nerdy. And so, what would <laughs> happen is he would join a band, and then he'd get interested in acting and then feel nerdy and join a band again. So, through high school uh. and then college, he kept going back and forth. So, he must have some chops. Um, I can't say I think that they didn't choose him because he bears a passing resemblance to Paul. He Um, does look a little like Paul. Certainly the haircut helps that. Yeah. Um, He's a nice looking guy. I think he's adequate. Yeah. Um, He's fine. He's fine. Uh, He sings well. I thought that I thought the same thing about Joe Anderson who plays Max, who apparently his last name is not Edison, it's Carrigan. Maxwell Edison majoring in medicine? In medicine? Well, no, it's Max Carrigan majoring in Marigan. I, I don't know. I'm going to believe the ble- Beatles and say that no. Yeah. Um, he's fine. Yeah, he's... well, they meet, so... <laughs> so Jude yeah. Yeah. is working in a shipyard in Liverpool, and he's his lives with his mom, a single mom, she apparently had a dalliance with an American soldier during World War II, which begat Jude, and he went off back to America, and that was in the last they saw him. Oh, yes, his mother's name is Martha, as in Martha, my dear, and also, why did you say that name? <laughs> it's not at all to do with that. <laughs> it does. He has to go find Superman and fight crime. Laser anyway, zap! Yeah. Laser zap! Yeah, no more Martha. Um, and he, I don't know what he's doing. He's like, I have to go. Yeah, and then he. Well, he wants to go. He wants to go to America because that's where you go. Yeah, but he seemed to suggest that he has to go because there's some job. I thought yeah. he. Well, because we see this, so there's a, a a parallel because we see this this young blonde woman named Lucy, Lucy, who has a boyfriend whose name we don't really know. Tell after he Dan- dies. It's, it's Daniel. We do know. Uh, which of course, well, we do at the after he dies. Like yeah. I sat there in my notes, like, uh, hmm? um, yeah. but of course you remember that famous Beatles song, Daniel. 
Daniel's kind of uh, coming tonight on the plane. Oh, wait, that's uh, Elton John. That, yeah, well. <laughs> so we should have known ahead of time. Uh, he wasn't going to make yeah. it. Yep. <laughs> no Your name's on the Beatles song. You're dead. So we basically have this blonde American girl going out with this football hero guy who's going into the Marines during uh, the time of Vietnam. Guess what's going to yep. happen? Yeah. And then we have... Uh, Jude in the sta- in, uh, in Liverpool who has a girlfriend but he suddenly has to leave I thought he was having to join up too but he doesn't no. and in fact he just ends up in America somehow which yeah because he's looking for his dad well yeah he turns but, out to be a janitor at Princeton right which we don't we don't know how he got there but whatever so he finds him um, his dad uh, is played in a very small role by a guy named Robert Clohesse um, yeah he was fine don't- um, Evelyn Rachel Wood, who plays Lucy. Evan, yeah, Evan Rachel. Oh, Evan Rachel Wood is. Yeah, she's a uh, Evan. Evan, mm. yeah, she's uh she's probably the one who becomes the biggest name out of this movie because she's had a quite a career. Most recently, we know her as a star of Westworld. Oh yeah, I've I've only watched first season of that, but she's fine. Mm, um, she's here's the biggest problem with the acting. The word chemistry does not seem to exist in this film, at least not so yeah. much between Jude and Lucy. Um, no, there's quite a bit between Jude and Max, I thought. Yeah. Um, so Jude shows up at Princeton, and this whirlwind, chaotic storm runs through the film, literally. In fact, at first I wondered if he was supposed to be in the film with his buds, just basically lighting things and setting them off. And this is Max, and Max is this this force of nature, I guess, or something. Well. Like like Lucy, Max and Lucy, who are brother and sister, are you know white suburban upper middle class from New Jerseyites. Yeah, and uh, you know, the, I gotta say, every character in this is kind of the stereotype. You think? I mean, it's very much a cliche. Jude is the working class, um, adrift, loner who you know does has trying to find himself, and Lucy is the. Uh, uh, optimistic, wants to change the world, and Max is the tr- slightly troubled, doesn't you know, doesn't know what he wants to do, feels stifled by the white middle class experience. Yeah, guy. Well, and they all end up in Greenwich Village. Because why wouldn't you? Hey, hey, I gotta say, late nineteen sixties New York. I would want to be in the village. Everything was happening there. Yeah, you could see anybody. You could oh meet anybody who'd been in a Beatles song. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you could meet all of the ones who'd been the Beatles song. Well, here's the thing. So Lucy does not start off being wanting to change the world. She honestly starts off as a teen- teenager who's in love with a guy who's about to become a Marine, which he does. And he gets, I assume he gets drafted as a... Po- well, actually, we don't know. He well, could have no, signed No, he volunteered. Up. Okay. He sa- she says he volunteered. He thought it was his patriotic duty. Okay. So he goes off, and we know what's going to happen. It's pretty obvious what's going to happen, because otherwise we're not going to have any movie. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's, yeah. Let's face it there. Um and so, basically, uh, Jude saves Max because Max is shooting golf balls off into other people's windows, not expecting them to come after them, but they do. And Max, yeah. who just has to be hanging out, opens a door and hides Max from the, the pursuing um, thick-neck guys named Gunter. And uh, <laughs> they, be, they friend, befriend each other and go out drinking and singing Beatles songs and a shooting pool and whatever and become fast friends. Now and become friends for life, yep. Jude doesn't have a lot of chemistry with anybody, but he, I would say of all the people in the movie, and I don't even mean this in a sexual way, the most chemistry mm. he has is with Max. You believe that those 
that those guys are friends. I yeah. like that. Yeah. But again, the plot of this movie is largely irrelevant. The, the <laughs> plot is just a bunch of hangers to hang the songs on. You think so? And to play around with the visuals. Yeah. Some of the visuals are pretty interesting, and some of them are otherwise. Yeah. But some of the interpretations, i got to say, uh, one of the other characters is this girl, Prudence, who is <laughs> also in high school with Lucy, and yeah. is clearly gay and in love with Lucy, yeah. and does a... I thought a pretty interesting interpretation of I want to hold your hand. Well, and I got confused because one of my, my note was lesbian cheerleader, let me be your man. And I was like, I, and then I didn't know what she, I thought, because you can't tell who she's looking at at first because it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, um, Lucy with Daniel <laughs> or some other football player or whatever at this but point. But she keeps staring at Lucy when Daniel leaves. But it's like they, they're not blatant enough that you're sure. It's mm-hmm. there. It's not like a two-frame thing. Oh, I, I thought it was pretty clear. I wasn't clear because it's like they don't do anything with it at first. Later, when she goes, she shows up, she <laughs> crawls in through the bathroom window. Yeah, she comes in through the bathroom window. There's a lot of that. Um, into, I think uh, you'll still be working here when you're 64. Yeah. yeah. Um, then it's obvious that she's in love with Sadie. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, so you are going to follow through with this. Because a lot of times with Hollywood, you get yeah. the look, but you don't get the is she or isn't she answered. In this case, they do, but her name's Prudence, and it's like, and they actually sing "Dear Prudence" yeah, to her at one point because she decides at one point she's depressed and won't come out of the closet. Get it? Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, that was another one of their very subtle moments. <laughs> Ugh. And they and they literally, it's like we just have to have this song, so we're going to call her Prudence, and she's going to lock herself in the closet. And no, oh, by the way, she's a lesbian. I mean, it's like really, <sighs> okay. Um, I would say there's nobody in the cast. With the exception of Sadie, I actually really liked her, and I wanted to know more about her. I thought that the actor did a really good job. She played basically Janis Joplin, you know, that famous sixth yeah. Beatle. <laughs> <laughs> and she's got a point where she's this amazing singer, and she is. She has a yeah. great, she has that kind she of voice that's like, I've been through crap, and I'm here yeah. to sing about it. Yeah, she has that voice where you can just hear the pain coming through, that Billie Holiday, Janis Joplin-style yep. voice. Yep, and she basically gets heard by a producer that wants to sign her and not the rest of the band, right? Yeah. And so they go through that, and as it turns out, JoJo... Now, here's the thing that I got confused about. It looks like there's this actually really good scene of the riots in, in uh, Detroit or the Watts. I can't tell. Um, where I don't a, think you're supposed to be able to. I think it's supposed to be just a generic riot. Yeah, and there's a young black kid singing the appropriate Beatles song at the time, and he's actually really good, and it's a yeah. really touching scene. And then the next thing we know, he's dead. And quite yeah. honestly, I felt a lot more for him than I did for Daniel. <laughs> like Daniel, yeah, like, it's, eh. But, yeah, because they intercut the scenes of the kid's funeral with Daniel's funeral. Right. And again, this is a character you have no connection with, and you didn't even get a song. No. It, it's tricky. And again, it's a, vo- a really sudden tonal shift in the movie. Right. Because the movie has been kind of this lighthearted, or not not lighthearted, but this a romance. Yeah. Like, oh, slice of life going across America, and suddenly, wow, children dying. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. And yeah, my note was, it's so sad, what's-his-name died so early, and off-camera and stuff. <laughs> we don't even see I, I do have to point out, there there is a bit of a continuity error I noticed, and I only know this because somebody told me about this. Mm. The way we find out about Daniel's death is two soldiers visit his mother right. to, deliver the, to deliver the news, which is protocol. Both of them 
are sergeants. Neither one of them is a chaplain. That's not oh. the way it works. You oh. always send an officer. You send an officer, even a non-com, and a chaplain. Oh. Anyway, that's t- yeah, that's the, tiny. It's, that "Let It Be" is a very. It's a really interesting take on the song because it's not the traditional, no. which is this very sort of peaceful, soothing. This is like this kid is singing the song huddled behind a burning car yeah. or burnt out car while the riot police are beating people to death all around him. Yeah, and it's a very shocking and actually really well done and touching scene. But again, I feel more for this kid whose name we'll never know yeah. than we do for Daniel, who's a boyfriend who doesn't have a song. Uh, but it looks like, and I this is my interpretation because I don't know what else to do, we see the kid's funeral and there's JoJo standing above the casket as if he's his father, or at least related. But the next thing we know, JoJo leaves and goes to New York. And he becomes yeah, JoJo. Yeah, it's not clear. Or Jimmy. Yep. <laughs> Now I I gotta say his the number of him arriving in New York is pretty cool. That's to this they're doing to the song come together. Okay, I have to ask and you this yeah. real quick. This this is one of the the cameos I wondered about. Yeah, I I know it can't be, but is that Joe Cocker? <laughs> it absolutely is, it is. Joe Cocker. Okay. In fact, it is Joe Cocker in three separate parts. Okay, he is. The bum on the subway who well who's there when JoJo arrives. Uh-huh. He's the pimp. Okay, it is and him. He's the, it is him, and he's the mad hippie, that's how he's listed, who pulls JoJo away from the cab, and he's singing along with Come Together, and it friggin' rules! It's one of my <laughs> favorite parts of the movie, because it's friggin' Joe Cocker, what? and that gravel voice of his just... part. It's like he's singing the whole city. And I, the choreography, the dance number, where <clears throat> excuse me, the commuters are dancing in the, this weird almost robotic synchronized dance and the businessmen are swinging their briefcases around. Yeah. Well, the thing that I I thought it can't be Joe Cocker is because 30 years before this, there was John Belushi making fun of him on Saturday Night Live and he didn't look real young then. And he actually in this film... Joe Cocker... Basically looks looked the that same old. as he did 30 years Joe ago. Joe Cocker looked like he was 50 when he was 18. I guess. And the thing is, the first time we see him in the subway, he's doing the Joe Cocker thing where he's standing there with his hands bent backwards and his arms yep. stiffly at his sides. And I'm like, oh, someone's doing Joe Cocker. And it's like, but wait, could it possibly be together? And I actually think of the arrangements come together as my favorite mm. of the movie. It yeah, just, I, I agree. I really like the words. That was my together. favorite too. Um, so we do have some other cameos and I did not look these up. So I want to see if I get these right. One of them, let's okay. go, let's go right to Dr. Robert. So, okay. Doc- Dr. Robert's the big one. I'm and the- that one just blew me away. It's like, That's not really Bono. Who is that? It is absolutely <laughs> Bono singing. <laughs> I am the walrus. And basically being this weird amalgam of, of like, of uh, like we say, Ken Kesey, Jerry Rubin and Hunter Thompson. Yeah. I, I just I kept looking and looking and it's like that's not Bono, is it? Cause I gotta say, makeup or whatever, when you get real close to Bono, mm, you kinda wanna back up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bono's there, there's something unnerving about his eyes. It's it's just like, does he have a knife? Well, it's just like he's supposed to be one of those beautiful people rock stars and Oh, I never I never heard that. He's not is he supposed to be beautiful? I I mean, his name's Bono Vox, so you tell me. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, I know it's beautiful voice, but uh, Mr. Vox. Uh, um, I just was, I, I, it's like, can't be, it's just like with Joe Cocker, it can't be Bono. Well, who is that? And I didn't look it up. And he's not, like, in the credits, he's not there, so, you know, whatever. Uh, and then the last one you'll have to answer for yep. me, because uh, we already talked about Salma Hayek as the nurses. Yeah. 
Yep. Was that Eddie Izzard as Mr. Kite? That was absolutely Eddie Izzard <laughs> as Mr. Kite speaking the song for the benefit of Mr. Kite because Eddie can't sing. Well, that's fine. You know, it is. And he Rex Harrison did. It's fine. He Rex Harrison said. That one, it's funny, visually is really interesting. I don't like his performance because I just got the feeling, well, everyone else who does the songs, you get the feeling they respect the song. Yeah. This, I just got the feeling he was sneering at it. I didn't get the feeling he was sneering at it, but I don't think he was, like, he wouldn't have been my first choice. Um, I it was certainly was, unexpected. Well, I mostly I'll sat say. there, kept listening. It's like, whose voice is that? I know who that is. And I thought, is yeah. that Eddie Izzard? Um and of course, he's you know we, he's changed a lot since then. So I, what, does he yeah. have a new name yet? I forget. Emily. No, I think he still calls himself Eddie, although okay. he does uh, identify as a woman. Right. Um, whatever. That's fine. Uh, I just was the. It, it was very interesting to see the way they did the cameos in this film because they almost dared you to recognize the people. Yeah, they did not make it easy for you. And I'm not particularly good with faces in general. So unless somebody's face really stands out, it's really easy for me to get them confused and not be able to tell people apart or recognize people and other things. So the fact that I actually got them all amazing. Salma Hayek I did not get. Um, but the others that I got, I was actually pretty surprised. Um, I did have a note about the invisible marijuana. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, what is this metaphor? I don't get yeah, it. I'm not really yeah. getting high. Okay, whatever. Um, the movie starts with actually a very interesting visual metaphor. There's waves, I'm assuming, at Liverpool coming in, and they're newspapers. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they juxtapose newspapers. And there is some symbology in this film that works very well. That was one of the ones I thought was actually very visually interesting. But one of the things they do, and they do it right from the start, is they take Beatles songs and they kind of chop them up. Um, we yeah. get two yeah. songs thrown at us that are incomplete, and we don't even know about the people who are singing them. They're just like, oh, it's this guy. We get a lot of that. We get a lot of only parts of the songs. We get a few complete songs, but not many. And I, it's it's a case where, and I'm going to come back to another movie that I watched last night after watching this one that I think does the same thing, but I actually like it a lot better. So I guess maybe it wasn't that this film did something in itself that I don't care for. I just didn't like the way it did it. It really felt but- like... Like you said earlier, we're going to take the parts of the of the songs that happen to be stitchable to make a story, and we're, and we're going to name the characters after all. <sighs> um, so, yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. The edited things. I mean, you're, when you're playing with Beatles songs, you've got a problem, right? Because they're almost holy to people, right? Yeah. So when you start... It, it's chopping them up like that. It feels wrong. Yeah. And, it, and honestly, some of it does feel awkward. Some of it, not so much, because some Beatles songs, let's face it, are very repetitive. Yep. They don't have a lot of words. I understand why they would want to shorten them. And some of them, you just, you don't do that to. But. Yeah. I guess of, of the people singing, I think my favorites are probably JoJo and Sadie. Especially yeah, together. They, yeah, together they work great. They have the most, the thing is, their voice is the most distinct. Yep. The others are competent but if you closed your eyes, you would have no idea who was singing. Well, I actually thought that the guy playing Jude sounds like the singing voice of Ewan McGregor. Oh, interesting. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's okay. My, one of my first notes was like, he sounds like Ewan McGregor. Uh. Um, but and here, here's another sad part is, honestly, the story between Jojo and Sadie 
mm. feels like it's a heck of a lot more interesting than it the one does, that we're and it gets, You get very little of it. I mean, it's just we get the most cliche beats. Oh, success! She leaves, leaves him be- behind. Yeah. Starts drinking, and then suddenly she's back. Yeah, yeah. It, it's never. Ex- there's nothing explaining it. She's just back, and they're back together. Yeah. Like, okay, that's nice, but it's like there was a whole other movie over there that we didn't get to watch. Yeah. But again, we just, because uh, we want to see the pretty young white people. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is that those two have chemistry. I should have said yeah. it, the most chemistry between those two, and watching them break up during a song on stage Ooh. is that's really brutal. well done. And yeah, and that, both yeah, of those two Yeah, people, that's when they're doing Oh, Darling, yeah. you know, which is a very kind of sappy but very sweet song and they're turning into this musical duel because you know jojo starts going full hendrix on his guitar yep. and uh, blair and, and it just it does it turns into this musical fight and that's actually it's one of the more imaginative uses of the songs yeah unfortunately imaginative doesn't always mean good yeah, it's it's kind of painful to listen to. So there's one in particular, which is "I want you, I want you so bad." Um, uh, yeah, and again, it's, imaginative, but I think they really wanted to be Pink Floyd's "The Wall." Yeah, that's that's the other thing with this movie is some of the songs they do it sort of realistic. They just you know singing and wandering down the street, and there are just people. And sometimes they get completely psychedelic, and not just with the Dr. Robert being on LSD once. And one of them is the I Want You, where you have the admittedly very creepy animated Uncle Sam posters reaching out. Yeah. It's... And, uh, and singing I Want You. And all of, this, all of the uh, drill sergeants look like G.I. Joe. Well, they all have the same, literally the same blocky yeah. face, which is, I think... Yeah. But to me, my note was that it was... Uh, almost comical in how heavy-handed. I think the worst part was she's so heavy, and it's a bunch of these yeah. these recruits, recruits in their underwear, literally hefting a Statue of Liberty through and the jungles of Vietnam. And it's like, yeah, oh, I get it, I get it. Yes, I, I, uh, yeah, I got Subtle. it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I do have to say whatever else about this movie. Subtle, it is not. No. Real quick, no. I just want to throw their names out because we yeah. haven't got to it. Dana Fuchs was Sadie and Martin Luther yeah. was JoJo. They did a great job, both of them. Um, I would probably buy an album if they wanted to sing it. Yeah. Just, you know, so you go. Um, I actually got to the point where because we've got sections like um, that we did like where they are doing Beatles songs like the ones in, in Detroit um, come together. And then we've got I Want You. I kind of wondered, did, did different people direct these? Because <laughs> they almost felt yeah. like totally different music They really videos. do. A lot of this, the, the presentation is very varied. Yeah. Uh, I also feel like there's a lot of telling. Like, we know that Jude is in love with Lucy because he tells the us. The songs <laughs> tell us, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. They didn't and, really... Mm. Yeah, not so much. Uh, and... Uh, you know, again, the plot, they boy finds girl, you know, they're together, then uh, Lucy gets hooked in with a radical named Paco, who is the least Paco-looking Paco <laughs> I've ever seen, and is the whitest guy named Paco I've ever seen. Yeah. And uh, Jude doesn't want, you know, Jude just thinks he's uh, he's jealous of him, and he doesn't like him, and that that's, brings in the song Revolution, which I have to say, while it's not a terribly imaginative presentation, it is very true to the spirit of the song, where he's basically busting up the this radical's office, and he's singing, you know, 
about how you can't you can't if you have a revolution with violence, you're just creating the same thing. Right. Well, and, and then suddenly Chairman Mao comes into it, and it's like, well, that wasn't a part of anything he was trying to do up till this point. So, like, they literally, it's like, like oh, we have that secret Nazi office in the back. Is it this case? No, no, no. That was a big thing with 60s radicals. They had pictures of Mao up. No, 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 no. I mean, in this, in the movie, in the context yeah, of the movie, like, that was what, not part of his protest until they needed it for the song. Like, literally, there's a room where things are painted red in the back. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the whole idea of he's the symbol of a revolution. It was a pretty, you know, nasty one yeah cultural revolution a lot of people dead but yeah yeah and then of course it turns out these guys he's basically the weatherman and they want to blow things up and and they do <laughs> yeah and uh, jude jude gets caught in the riot and he gets deported back to liverpool yeah he eventually heads back because you know first it's it's an interesting if very heavy-handed again he's sitting in a pub in liverpool and max is sitting in a bar and New York and starts singing Hey Jude to him. And then all of Liverpool begins singing with him. Did that did that feel like to you like the scene in the Monty Python film Every Sperm is Sacred? A little bit. A <laughs> little bit. The setting was very similar. It's all these working class people coming out of doors and children and stuff and they're all singing and I'm like, they're gonna start singing it. I know they're gonna do it. Every sperm <laughs> is sacred. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of my earliest questions was, did the Beatles exist here? Maybe this is that world that Jack Malik comes from. <laughs> That's a really interesting point, especially if you consider the 60s and what a major feature Beatles music played in it. We don't see any evidence that the Beatles existed. We just see as if this is a world they created or something. It's, it is kind of jarring. Yeah. Uh, again, maybe Jack Malik comes from here, so that's yeah, it's maybe fine. so. Um, I've uh, I've exhausted most of my notes, and, and I know that people are really on the edge of their seats, wondering what we thought yeah. of this movie. Well, I do have to say, I kind of like at the end when they're doing the concert on the roof. Sadie and JoJo are singing "Don't Let Me Down," and they kill it. Yeah, and uh, okay, it is a bit much that the rec- her, Sadie's record label is Strawberry Jams. Yeah, get it, get it. Get it? <laughs> and then it, of course, ends with Jude singing All You Need Is Love, and that brings Lucy back to him on another rooftop. Sure. Yeah. I wanted to see her jump across it personally, because that, that would fit <laughs> in with our poll question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, let's get to That's the... Yeah. Uh, oh, no, you have one more? No. Nope. Nope, nope. I think uh, pretty, mu- pretty much done. So uh, let's get to the roundup. The roundup. So, Max. Yeah. You saw this not when it, exactly when it came out, but maybe yeah. within a year? Within a couple of year or two, yeah. And uh, what did you think of it at the time? Honestly, it, that, when I saw it, it really annoyed me. And why did it annoy you? Because it, wasn't, it didn't give me what I wanted, which was basically honoring Beatles songs. And I, I, I don't know. Back then, it's you know, been like 15 years. I don't remember what it was. I didn't like it. Okay. I, I thought it just didn't work. And what do you think about it now? I think it's very uneven. I think there are parts that are pretty good. I think it is about as subtle as a brick through a plate glass window. (laughs) Um, I think a lot of the singing is competent but uninteresting, except for the obvious exceptions. And I think the the interpretation of the songs runs from pedestrian to really interesting. Mm. I think there are some that are really cool. I, I still like the I Want to Hold Your Hand as a sad song. 
it never before I saw this, it had never occurred to me that that would actually be a melancholy song about unrequited longing, and it worked. Sure. And uh, I don't know about I mean Bono. I love seeing Bono in this, but him doing "I Am the Walrus" just makes me go, okay, why? <laughs> I mean, I just don't associate Bono with psychedelics. Hmm. I mean, he's from Ireland. That's near to England. Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, I wanted to like the benefit of Mr. Kite number, but I don't know why I just don't. It's just too... I think it's just too cute. It's just trying too hard. I got the feeling with a lot of this movie, it's just trying too hard, and it's just being very cliché. Now, you, you had never seen this, right? I had never seen this. I had barely yeah. heard of it. Like, I knew it existed by title. And there's a question I want to ask you. Why is it called Across the Universe? Because it's a Beatles song? Exactly. Like, it doesn't yep. have anything to do with anything. Nope. They could have called this Dear Prudence, and it would have made more sense. <laughs> they could have called this Mean Mr. Mustard. It would have been about made as much sense. Yeah. Number nine. They could have called it number nine. Yes, or Piggies, or any of them. Yeah. I, I had not seen this or heard of it, so when you brought it up, it's like, okay, you know, we'll see how this goes. And I think the movie is just kind of a mess. It is very long. It's almost two and a half hours long. It's very long. Yeah. Um, and if and you feel it, yeah, and it almost feels like it's up to us to force meaning into and feeling into this movie. Like we're going to give you the songs because we know you like those, and we got this story, but now you got to put it together. And it's like uh, this is not a Lego project. I don't have. Yeah. To, I don't. That's not my thing. Um, I think it wants to be powerful, and in some brief moments it is again the riot scenes moments sure um you know you're pointing out that you know unrequited love especially when in response to uh, a homosexual love and societal's pressure against that with the prudence it's a very interesting interpretation of the song if all of the interpretations had been as interesting they don't have to be the same it doesn't have to be a movie about gay people i don't care but if all of the interpretations had felt like that much thought had been put into them, this could have been a really interesting movie. As I mean, yeah. Just, sorry, just thinking of Prudence. You notice how sort of neatly they give her a girlfriend, and it's just nothing, except yeah, this is my friend Rita, and my first thought is, please don't say she's a meter maid. And you know, <laughs> and that's what happened. I have a note. It's yeah. like, oh god, her name's Rita. Where's the song? And we, she doesn't yeah, get one. Yeah. Which no. That doing that thing, naming the people after the Beatles songs was an incredibly bad move. And the reason yeah. is that is you just sit there as an audience with this and tension wait. waiting for the freaking song. And it takes you out of the movie. And it honestly doesn't matter. Max yeah. could have been named Fred. We would have yeah. felt exactly the same about him and not cared. Yes, um, they, they could have, you know, given Jude any other name and just sung, Hey Dude. <laughs> No, no, they couldn't. <laughs> sure, Ed Sheeran says it's good. <laughs> well, you know, Ed Sheeran has a lot to answer for. Um, <laughs> Lucy, why is she in the sky with diamonds? No reason, it just fits over nope. the credits. Like, there couldn't have been a night where, he, like, let's say he took the punch and he had a psychedelic experience, yeah. which is what people thought the song was about. Spoiler alert, it's not. Um, we could have had that because we do have psychedelic experiences throughout the movie, which I actually think pretty cool. But it's just this sort of mess um, it's instead of being powerful, it's mostly just empty. There's a bunch of people that tell us they're in love with each other. Um, they tell us that they're upset when their boyfriends die. Cause honestly, Lucy's reaction is, eh, <laughs> she moves to New York. Yeah. Um, it's just, I would actually rather that they had taken the story, this 
Forrest Gump with Beatles music, because that's kind of <laughs> what it is. Uh. And they had developed the story and not had anything to do with the Beatles, because I don't... The tiny connections they have are, quite honestly, the names of the characters. That's it. And the time period. Which... Or I wish they would have just leaned into the music and just said, yeah, we're just going to do a bunch of, un of vaguely connected musical numbers, and it's going to be a true jukebox movie. Because let's face it, this is a very interesting and traumatic time of our living history. Yeah. There's tons you can set a love story in the middle of Forrest Gump. Um, you know, and this is, you know, they could have been a little bit less predictable, too. But instead, they had to just start shoving in things with Beatles songs and a crowbar. So mm. I don't yeah, recommend and, yeah. the film. I, I, I think it's a mess. It's very long. There's like literally three Beatles songs that I think, wow, that was really well performed. And two yeah. of them are by Jojo and Sadie. And, Sadie. and the third mm -hmm. one's done by the young black kid whose name we'll never know. Um, so that's, that's that. But Max, uh, you yeah. know, do you recommend it? What do you think? Uh, if you really are a Beatles completist, sure. Is, just that, is that with an A? <laughs> yes, of course. They were a complete Beatlesist. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess if there's nothing else on, but it is—it's very—it's long and it feels long. Yeah. And so, honestly, no, I, I don't. I think if if you're curious, give it a try. But do it if you've got—you know—you're bored and you want to kill a couple hours. So instead and of you want to hear a couple of you know decent songs. So instead of watching that, why don't you instead think about our poll question, which if Max will read it, went something. Like this. Do you have a favorite parody? And if so, what is it? Your favorite parody movie. Not just a comedy, but a parody of a specific type of movie or even a specific movie. And you can tell us this. You can give us your answer. We demand you give us your answer. <laughs> Either at email us at us at maxmikemovies.com. You can go to our website, maxmikemovies.com, and, and leave a comment. We, you can uh, find us on the Facebooks and the, the Twitters. Dot comment. <laughs> the dot comment, yes. And of course, we you can find us on your favorite or even your least favorite podcast app. We're all over the place. We're and on uh, Spotify. Geneva Brunetti, we expect at least four answers next week. <laughs> yep, yep. You've set the bar pretty high there, Geneva. Don't let us down. Yeah. Don't bring me down. Doobie doo down down. Down yeah. down. But Mike. Yeah, oh yes. Yes, that's me. We're not, we're not done. We've got more Beatles to get through. Kind of. What, what Beatles ship are we going to be sailing on next week? Uh, well, it could be a sinking vessel. Uh, uh, this is, to be fair, a film I've never actually seen. Never seen this? I've okay. never seen this film. Um, you know how we got to see a film where they took a movie and they kind of shoved some Beatles songs <laughs> to it real hard? Um, yes. Well, let's do that again, except let's go back in time. Oh, no, wait. You don't mean... Let's go back in time. You don't mean... Let's go back in time to... No. Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, a film that inexplicably stars people like Peter Frampton, the Bee Gees, and George Burns. <laughs> you monster. Because <laughs> let's see if they actually did it right the first time. <sighs> This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. Miss him, miss him, that's a scam. <laughs>